We're going to protect Christianity. And I can say that. I don't have to be politically correct. Or we're going to protect it. You know? And I, I asked Jerry and I asked Hello, some of the folks because right I hear this is a major this. theme right here. But 2 Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 317. That's the whole ballgame. Where the Spirit of the Lord, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And here there is Liberty College, but Liberty University. But it is so true. You know, when you think, and that's really... The apocalypse is, is that here, the folks. One, is that the one you like? I the think that's the one you nine. like, because I loved it. And it's so Run, representative your children. of what's taking place. Okay, thanks, Donald. I'm just going to leave my soul right here at the door for you. You can get on the way out. Well... Congratulations, America. You did it. Here we are, four long years later, and things have hit the fan. The, the question is, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Heaven help us. Heaven help us. Hell no. Uh Hello and welcome to the very first edition of Heaven Help Us, the irreverent podcast about the intersection of faith, pop culture, and politics. I am your host, Vince, and as many of you have suspected, I think Donald Trump is the greatest president who's ever presidented. He's a faithful follower of Christ, knows the scripture, and looks out for people like me. No, he's the antithesis of the very nature of God himself, perpetuating the anger and fear of white evangelicals in exchange for support, and thus is the danger to the faith and all those who hold it dear. Amen. There, you happy? All right, moving on. <laughs> I mean, first, first we get Donald Trump as the Antichrist, and now... The pale horse of pestilence is bringing us a global pandemic. This has got to be the end times, right? It's got. This is the end. This is the end. And that's just a warm up. What's next? I mean, there's pandemonium out there right now. Grocery stores are running out of toilet paper and mac and cheese, hand sanitizer. I'm not salty. I'm just disappointed. Um, wake up, sheeple. This is the end. I mean, this is it. Actually, there are a fair amount of people out there saying this, so please take it seriously. <laughs> I'm only joking. Am I, though? Um, anyway, I am your host, Vince, and I want to welcome you to the first inaugural episode of Heaven Help Us, the irreverent podcast at the intersection of faith, pop culture, and politics, and just like every aspect of your life, the coronavirus has severely hindered and changed our regularly scheduled program. We were supposed to come out like a couple of weeks ago, but because uh, we were and we are going to talk about the podcast and give you an overview, but we, uh, we had to augment our schedule just a bit and our content and make sure that we told you the truth, that the apocalypse is indeed here again only kidding uh but we would be remiss if we did not mention that 
this is a serious problem. So if you are listening, hopefully you are listening from the comfort of your couch while you work from home and you socially distance yourself or distantly socialize. Um, even on Sunday, even, yes, even on Sunday, go to church online, people. Do not go to church even if they open the doors and savagely guilt you into showing up. Don't do it. Hard pass. Uh, as a matter of fact, if your church is having church at church, you should leave that church. There should be a church split. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Plenty of good churches to enjoy online while you eat pancakes in your PJs. Maybe have some coffee. I grind my own coffee, so hopefully you do that too, or use an AeroPress. Uh, did you guys hear about the church in Arkansas that stayed open and now has 34 members of their congregation, including the pastor and his wife? They both got infected. All 34 people and the pastor and his wife. Yeah, people make mistakes and we should pray for them. We should pray for their health and safety of their congregation. But stay at home, damn it. Obedience is better than sacrifice after all. Another church pastor in Louisiana. In Louisiana, had a thousand people attend his church for the second week in a row. He, he said, the, the pastor said that the pandemic was politically motivated and that this is a persecution of faith. Still opening his doors in the hotbed of Coronaville, that is Louisiana. Heaven help us. Anyway, we are here. Let me introduce myself. My name is Vince. And like every other person with opinions and a $99 microphone, we decided to start a podcast. <laughs> I, I say we because uh, we'll be joined by a whole universe of rotating guests from everywhere around America. Uh, I hope... You liked our intro, by the way, because there's going to be a lot more of that. I guarantee you that. If you didn't like it, keep listening because I have a whole lot to say to you. Um, actually, we need to have a family discussion. Family discussion time because even now, even right now, the current administration and people in it are using this current pandemic to leverage some of their twisted extreme beliefs and feel emboldened by their biased ways of thinking. Um, which in turn leads to policies that are extremely biased. I'm actually, you know, I'm actually kind of, of, of shocked that uh, I have not heard anyone blame Mexico or Latin Americans for the coronavirus. It says right here in the name folks, Corona, the Mexican beer. There you have it. Uh, instead, uh, they're blaming China. They're blaming the Obama administration. And they're even blaming the gays. Yeah. Trump's cabinet Bible teacher says that the coronavirus is God's wrath because of the gays. Which, for the record, is absurd. 
And if you believe that, you're an imbecile. But if you're an imbecile and you're listening, I want you to listen. I want you to keep listening because I want you not to be an imbecile. Uh, I've read the Bible cover to cover many times and I have seen God's wrath unleashed many, many times on Jerusalem and Israel and not once, not effing once did I hear or see or read a scripture that said, you guys are just too gay for me. I shall smite thee with pestilence and disease. Never seen it. Uh, and don't try to mention Sodom and Gomorrah. Doesn't really count. They were way worse. Um, and, and this is a prime example of the fact that Christians, by virtue of the administration, seek to punish everyone who disagree with them because they have an agenda to establish a, a, a theocratic kingdom of God government in America, which is not at all what Jesus came to do. I would argue it's the opposite. Um, the bottom line is that Donald Trump is pandering to the most base instincts of simple-minded Christians. And it has been working for four long, four very long, exhausting years. You know what? As a side note, I don't, I don't know why people on the left don't at least try to do the same thing. You pander to everybody else, you know. Why not Christians? Anyway, now the Donalds like, you know, let's end the pandemic and open everything on Easter because it's a very, very special day for me, folks. You know. Your boy, that that comedian that went viral when he imitated Donald uh, trying to justify his Easter deadline was spot on. 250 years ago, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose full name, you know, he was he was Jewish, so his full name might have been like Christowitz, <laughs> but God rose him from the dead on a holiday we now call Easter. Not a lot of people know that, but it's it's called Easter. Spot on. It's when Jesus and the two Corinthians met the Easter bunny and came <laughs> back from the dead. So, you know, it's a beautiful story. Very important for the Christians like me. Like me. And I have decided, I'm announcing today, we are going to bring back the economy on Easter Sunday. <laughs> Yo, shout out to J.L. Calvin, host of Making Podcasts Great Again, for that hilarious take. That was amazing. You know, I, I can't decide what my favorite part is. You can hear the rest of it if you just Google it. But I, I think probably my favorite part is when he said that Jesus and the two Corinthians met the Easter Bunny and came back from the dead. Ah, that is gold. What an epic story, right? I, I could listen to that all day long. Actually, I, I think I might play it on Easter Sunday as a special edition, Heaven Help Us, 
Easter summon sermon. So get ready. I don't know if I'll do that, but I'll announce it if we do. But it really does reflect something important, not to be a buzzkill. But you you do know that he only said that to appease unsuspecting overly trusting Christians who who still have no clue that he only cares about wealth and power mostly power at this point he'll do anything to get it including pander to you the comedian also said that uh he said we're gonna we're gonna bring back the economy on easter sunday don't think for a second that that is not exactly what donald trump is saying to the church easter is a, a very important it's very important for the church's bottom line uh now i will definitely wager that most pastors believe easter is important because apathetic people who visit church only once per year may visit only that one time and it may be one of the only chances that person has to make an open decision for Christ. I don't doubt that pastors are genuine in that belief. So let's make that clear. But in the back of their minds, many of them, in the back of their minds of a lot of churches, let's just say that the offering basket isn't going to get filled up right now so Trump doing what Trump does says something to pander to that base and they eat it up it's actually quite diabolical and genius maybe maybe he is a stable genius oh my gosh anyway we should just get back into it now why are we doing this you've heard some of why but part of the reason is because everyone is yelling at each other without any inkling to what the other side is actually thinking because nobody is listening. Christians who grew up culturally, as Christians especially, uh, don't understand the world. And worldly people who are super secular don't understand Christians or any religion for that matter. So we are here to shed light on a lot of things that that span the breach and hopefully bridge the gap. And this has all come to a tipping point that has resulted in one Donnie Trump 45. It's, it's part of the reason we're gonna try to do this every week. Because every week there is something in the news that mangles your perception of Christianity, our perception, and little by little it's driving folks away Every week, especially in these times that we are living in, there's something that makes you slap the palm of your hand to your abnormally large forehead and say, heaven help us or something like that. You know, you roll your eyes, you shake your head in bewilderment. You look at your friends and your neighbors and your family and you say to yourself, "What? what, what is happening? I mean, nowadays, you thought you thought 
2019 was something. Welcome to 2020. Right? 2019, and well, 2016 until now consisted of just Mike Pence, Pat Robertson, Jeffrey Boagall at Sessions. Now we got Paula White and Franklin Graham. Now we even got Kanye in the mix. Franklin Graham, who, by the way, had his book tour banned in the UK. I guess it doesn't matter now because everybody's banned from everything now. But we are losing the very people that we are trying to reach. Even though in the faith, there are many, there are many people doing many good things, operating from the shadows, not being noticed by the media or general public. But we are losing the very people we are trying to reach. We are at a net loss. When Jeffrey Boagall at Sessions, that one time when he got in front of a microphone and tried to justify putting families in cages with scripture. Yeah, wow. Thank God for his rebuke by his own church. But what genuine generally happens is moments pass right and then we forget because a new what the f controversy pops up and it serves as a renewed reminder that the church has sold its soul to the devil for a supreme court nomination uh, you lost you got your supreme court person but you lost ethan emily dave amy Justin and a whole bunch of other people who have a renewed conviction deep in their souls that Christians are are full of crap but see point number one is despite popular belief Christians are not perfect and nor are they expected to be my challenge is to change the filter by which you see God because the church, God's representation to himself, God's representation of himself to the world is a collection of imperfect people who represent a perfect God in imperfect ways. And number two, just like the views, words, and actions of one Donald Trump do not represent America and Americans' values to the world. The views and words and actions of many prominent mainstream outwardly facing Christians, they don't represent real life Christians. And I know many Christians who are empathetic, like I said, who are sympathetic, who love without limits, who embrace everyone with open arms. They're out there. All Christians are not the same. All quote unquote evangelicals are not the same. So we're gonna tell you how they think. So we can tell you how we think so that you can think for yourself. All right, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, and many of you have never heard of me. And I think that that's a good thing because you know, I am not a mega church pastor. Not a politician, not a pundit. I am, however, a preacher's kid. Not the crazy 
perpetually rebellious family outcast that ends up in a cult. Uh, more like the Judas Smith kind. You know, the ones that followed devoutly in the faith and had a hard time in high school getting a date. I, I, I'm a Jesus freak. And I have intimate insider knowledge of the Pentecostal charismatic, what I call churchianity, both as a cultural Christian and a little bit of a theologian, just a little bit. Uh, I, I could have easily followed in my father's footsteps, but I quickly discovered in college that it wasn't my calling. So fast forward 20 years later, and here I am, professional churchgoer, still doing my thing for the body of Christ. Inside and outside the church walls, now I'm the kind of Christian that's here to make sure the Handmaid's Tale never actually happens. Kinder, gentler, happier. May the Lord open. <laughs> Let's see. What else about me? Uh, liberals think I'm way too conservative, and Republicans think I'm a gay-loving Obama elitist liberal who wants to kill babies and grant amnesty to senior members of MS-13. The easy answer is that I'm neither. No, you know what party I'm in? I'm in the Jesus party. What about you? No, no, really, um, the truth is that I don't buy into the notion that I need to have a prescribed set of political ideologies to be a responsible, patriotic citizen. And I suspect that there are more people who think like me than not. I would even wager that we are the rule and not the exception, although, let's just be honest, I am quite exceptional. <laughs> so, heaven help us is for the saints and the ain'ts. It's for evangelicals, Catholics, Protestants, Baptists, atheists, skeptics, everybody. If you're an evangelical and you believe heavily in iron sharpens iron and all that, get ready. Cause you're gonna be able to cut through diamonds after this, friend. This is heaven help us. We'll be right back. So you've made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Great! Just follow these easy steps. First, find a quiet place, maybe a fast food bathroom stall, or a closet. And then simply say these words. Dear Jesus, I repent from my far-left, lustful, liberal ways, which are obviously sinful. Please make me a conservative Christian like the only good, righteous people left in America. I hereby declare that I am now an evangelical Christian and, by proxy, a member of your party, the Republican Party, the Party of Jesus. God bless our president, your president, Donald Trump. And God bless America, the shining city on a hill. Amen. Now, doesn't that just feel great? You know, the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And right now, I need you to create a check 
for a money order in the amount of $33.33, that's a dollar for every year Christ live, and make it out to the Donald Trump campaign. If you do this, we will send you, listen, we'll send you a genuine leather Make America Great Again Bible free of charge as a thank you for your love offering. Thank you again, and we'll see you on Election Day. Man, phew. Hey, we should really screen uh, the type of ads that we let on this show. We have standards. Uh, Anyway, we're back. We are back. Uh, Today is the first episode, and normally we would do an interview or a deep dive into a specific issue or a subject, but today, just for today... Uh, I just want to tell you a little story about who I am and what I believe validates me in this space. So uh, the title of this first episode is He Burned Our Toys. Who? Who burned our toys? Who would seek to destroy the sacred relationship between a child and his novelties? Uh, Who indeed? I'm glad you asked. It's in reference to my dear old dad. Uh, the fire and brimstone evangelist slash preacher who I uh, who I briefly mentioned earlier that would he would pray a hemorrhoid away from you if you gave him a chance. <laughs> I uh, and I just want to tell you a little bit about where I grew up and how I grew up so that you understand where I'm coming from. Just a brief snapshot. Uh, I grew up in East Texas, heart of the Bible Belt. A product of intense, tongue-talking, pew-stomping church folk who believed that in the uncompromising, unfiltered Bible stuff. (laughs) Uh, My dad wasn't a preacher at first. Uh, He was an intense uh, believer. And uh, he would go to early morning prayer every morning. Church as many times a week as he could possibly go small groups bible studies you name it he was there which meant i was there uh let's see holidays halloween forget it easter bunnies nope not in my house and up to a point uh we never had a christmas tree because my dad said that it represented the pagan side of christmas ironic right um yeah, of course it didn't help that uh, when the very first time we went and got a real Christmas tree, my house burned to the ground on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Long story. Uh, so that's just to say that my dad was the definition of a zealot, a radical. If you were in the vicinity of a, a, a 7-Eleven when we pulled up, mm-hmm. There was a good chance you were going to be his next target, the next target of his proselytizing. And uh, he would leave us in the car for, (laughs) it felt like hours sometimes, you know, he'd walk in to get a a two liter of root beer and then come out 45 minutes later. As soon as I, uh, (laughs) as soon as I could read a paragraph reliably, my dad made us read two chapters of the King James version of the Bible every night, not even the NIV. 
You know what I'm saying? Not not the new international version or the message which was far easier to read. No, no, no. Not even the English Standard Translation. He made us read the King James Version. The hardest version. Uh, perhaps of, I'd say, you know, in my, in my memory, any book, say for Shakespeare or like Canterbury Tales. Um, do you know what that's like for an eight-year-old? <laughs> a seven-year-old? Whenever I learned it, I don't, I don't remember. Um, and just for good measure, he would uh, give us a book report every night. We had to we had to tell him what we read. It's probably why um, it's probably part of the reason why even today I I've read the Bible cover to cover every year as far as I can remember up until now. Cover to cover. Um, our TV access was. It consisted of like a, a mix of nature documentary and wholesome Christian television. <laughs> uh, for us eight-year-olds, that meant like Christian cartoons like Superbook and Flying House. If you're too young to know of it, you can Google it. It's basically involved Bible robots, flying houses, and time machines and Bible stories. Uh, don't get it twisted, though. We, um, My dad was awesome. He took us fishing and hunting and we watched uh, all the best cartoons from back in the day like Transformers G.I. Joe, Thundercats He-Man I, I don't want to admit to watching the Smurfs but yeah Smurfs I only say all that because I didn't have any Smurf toys so there's a point here um, so let's just strike Smurfs from the record for now but uh, subsequently we had all those toys as well so Transformers, He-Man, G.I. Joe's, Thundercats. But one day, my dad got fed up with my insubordinate and spoiled behavior. And uh, he, he got a revelation. Um, so one day, he, he got a big black trash bag. And he stomped into our playroom, me and my brother. And he, he grabbed each and every He-Man toy... And just for good measure, he included my cousin's uh, Mumra doll from Thundercats because it looked evil. Um, and he collectively threw them into that trash bag with no mercy and no regard for human life or toy life. <laughs> Again, for good measure, he included my castle gray skull from the He-Man series. It looked like a, a gray skull. Actually, it was it was it was green. It was a green skull, but semantics, whatever. Anyway. He, uh, he threw it in with the rest of the toys and he drugged that bag outside. See, I lived in uh, a rural part of a rural-ish town in Texas and uh, on about nine or ten acres and with ample uh, enough room to compile a, a giant pile of sticks and limbs, which gave my dad an idea. So he carried that pile of toys, that bag of toys, to the giant pile and he and he threw it on top doused it with gasoline and lit my toys on fire yeah burned our toys baptized them in fire <laughs> probably did some probably did some damage to the to the ozone with all that burnt plastic I'd say he's at least one third responsible for that <laughs> so See, there was a certain uh, narrative being preached in the church circuit 
that Masters of the Universe, the He-Man saga franchise, was evil because uh, of the phrase, quote, Masters of the Universe, and how that phrase took attention and glory from the one true master of the universe, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, all of my Masters of the Universe toys got sacrificed on that pile where my dad burned them. See, he said me and my, my brother's attitudes immediately got better after that. I don't remember that, but those demonic toys carried spirits. And now that they were gone, those demons couldn't, spirits couldn't influence his kids anymore. Joke's on him because uh, I, I, we were done playing with the He-Man toys. We never played with them anyway. But the Castle Grayskull hurt because we used that as the headquarters for the Transformers and G.I. Joes, you see. Anyway, he burned our toys. That's a brief snapshot, brief window into uh, how strict I can tell you that my parents were. No school dances. I didn't even go to my prom, folks. No secular friends. I had some, but they had to come to my house. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in church, and uh, it felt like I was there seven days a week. But it's probably more like six, so a typical week would go like this. Sunday, church, twice, sometimes three times a day. Monday, off, recovery mode, right? Tuesday, prayer night. Wednesday, church service or youth night. Uh, Thursday, like what? Well, that was like the logistics night. So worship, practice, choir practice. Um, Friday night was uh, another like youth play night. Saturday night was like outreach night. That's when uh, we would bring the church to the hood or a random Walmart parking lot. And then we'd do it all again and again and again every week. I was in church all the freaking time. And so I got to see a lot and I got to hear a lot and I got to participate in a lot of uh, church politics. So my dad was, again, an, an evangelist, which meant that he traveled around to uh, a different churches everywhere. And that meant I got to see a lot of different churches in a, little, a lot of different places. And I got to hang out with a lot of pastors and church families behind the scenes. I got to participate in... Uh, you know, ministry grooming programs for young men because I had already been leading small groups and teaching Sunday schools since a very young age, like 10 or 11. And because of all of this, I got uh, an insider look at the Pentecostal charismatic evangelical church. Um, I follow 
uh, uh, followed a lot of preachers on television. Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Charles Stanley, Creflo Dollar, Rod Parsley, Ted Haggard, John Osteen, before Joel Osteen became cool. <laughs> uh, I took... I took notes and went to church or followed them all, baptized in the Holy Spirit, all that. I even routinely bought T.D. Jake's VHS collections and watched them on repeat like a fanboy. Yeah, did it. Watched a lot of TBN, some CBN. Uh, so if nothing else, you can trust that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to that church life, okay? Uh, I I went on to churches where I had a deep, intense, like really crazy spiritual experiences, and and during that time, uh, I had let's call it a a paradigm shift, and this shift had a lot to do with how we as a church are rep were representing ourselves to the world how we were presenting ourselves as the body of christ like god's representation to the world um and as things have progressed in this you know now in this intense ever-expanding cultural divide I and many others feel no, no. We know that this is necessary because there is so much rhetoric being baptized in misunderstanding and misinformation and straight up just fake news in our society. Uh, there's a cultural divide and it's widening. So why am I doing this? So we are... Uh, doing this because at the end of the day telling people about Jesus is already hard enough right why have we decided to make it even harder especially because of that guy in the Oval Office uh, we are it's like we're our own worst enemy like you know like now the church is ironically the biggest obstacle to preaching the gospel. We're like, you know, we're like, we're like an M Night Shyamalan movie with a twist at the end. Like, it was us the whole time. <laughs> we're our own worst enemy. So we're starting this company because we believe that there is a profound need to create safe avenues for honest conversations about the evolving Christian church where you know where it needs to go and and like what it needs to do to truly be effective in the modern world so it's my vision to foster uh, understanding between the 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 sacred and the secular uh, to perpetuate um, paradigm shifts among my evangelical friends I, I i'm here to challenge um you all and we're going to introduce the true unfiltered unrestricted gospel of jesus to our generation because when you die and when you have to look god 
Jesus in the face. He's not going to ask you whether or not you are a Republican or a Democrat. So we're going to preach the gospel to our generation and beyond. And that's what this whole thing is about. Uh, I've said a lot. Whew. All right, I'm going to stop talking now. Um, but before I do, I want you to join us, follow us, listen, and keep listening. And we're going to have some really, really good stuff for you in the coming weeks and months. Um, that's all I got. Thank you for joining us on Heaven Help Us, and we will see you next time.